Okay, today's guest is one of the most genius, brave, and brilliant footballers the Carlton Footy Club has ever seen. A fan favorite for his courage and creativity, this man's famous long sleeves match the long list of achievements he's recorded over 25 years at the highest level as player and coach. He played 251 games for St Kilda and Carlton, was All-Australian in 2004, the Blues' leading goal kicker in 2001, and won the Mark of the Year in 1999. This skinny superstar represented Australia in the International Rules Series three times, played in two grand finals, and went on to be an assistant coach at Carlton, Collingwood, and Gold Coast. As a competitor, he weighed in at 78 kilos and stood 184 centimetres tall, but there wasn't a player that could match the size of his heart. It's my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Matthew Skinny Lappin to the gym session. Maddie, how are you, mate? Wow. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, <laughs> did I do all that, really? You did, uh, mate. You know, the one, the one thing I remember the most out of that is you said I was 78 kilos. <laughs> I would have loved to have been 78 kilos when I played. I was a 73 kilos. 73, so was it? You gave me an extra five kilos there, so I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for those kind words. Uh, much appreciated. No worries, mate. Hey, what have you been up to? Because I've seen you, you're working at Hillcrest Christian College now. I think you've been part of uh, that documentary series of Ed on KO. You've been coaching Southport Sharks. Looks like you're a very busy man. What's what's life like for Skinny Lappin these days? Yeah, well, I relocated uh, to the Gold Coast probably six or seven years ago, and um, I started working at the Gold Coast Suns and when I finished there, um, my kids were obviously going to school up here and we decided, my wife and I, that when we when we did move from Melbourne, we were going to stay up here long term. So um, I approached the school that, that my kids were at and said, well, you know, are you interested in looking at something where I can come in and help um, the school with my experiences in sport and coaching? And, um, you know, we've got a really innovative uh, principal and he had a think about it and, and, you know, jumped at the opportunity. So as I've been here, I think this is my fourth year at the school now, um, uh, the, the role's just grown each year and um, it's been beneficial for both the school, the students and myself. I really enjoy what I'm doing. Um, away from the school, I am um, an assistant coach at the Southport Sharks and mm-hmm. um that's been really good for uh, for me. I've still been able to stay at a high level of footy, um, which keeps me involved in the game, but um, it doesn't have the same level of, of intensity that comes with the, um, the AFL system. Mm. Yeah, well, it's great, though, that you, you're getting back and you're helping so many people um, at the lower level and teaching them things from your, your career. I guess for you, it started all back in Chilton. You played footy, cricket, basketball growing up with your brother Jason and you had your cousin Nigel, who obviously played for the Lions. You were good at all sports, but what was the reason you chose to pursue footy? What, what was it about the game that you loved? I just think I grew up with it. Um, the town I grew up in was a little country town and it was cricket in summer and footy in winter and bit of basketball in between and um, all of my mates, we just grew up playing the game. Our whole the town we grew up in revolved around the spring club. So it was just a, the best possible place to, to be raised. Um, you know, and footy was a huge part of that. So I've got an older brother, obviously, Nigel, you spoke about. A lot of our friends, um, you know, we all just grew up playing footy together. And um, I, I owe a lot to, to that upbringing because I reckon... You know, we were hours and hours a day. We would be, you know, trying to take speckies on each other and yeah. kicking goals and all that sort of stuff um, on every break and or after school. And I, whilst I was just having fun, then I was accumulating thousands of hours of skill development. So um, 
that was really beneficial for what what ended up being um, you know a, a really good lead up to career I had. Hey, was it true when um, St Kilda, the, I think it was recruiting officer at the time, Wayne Hughes, when he came to your house would, if, before the 93 draft, your dad thought he was asking about your brother and not you? Uh, that was my mum, yeah. Oh, your mum, um, was it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they rang up and said, oh, we'd love to speak to Matt. You know, it's, it's, I think it was um, Wayne Hughes or John Beveridge, I'm not sure which okay, one yeah. it was, but they rang up and said, can we speak to, to Matt? We want to talk to him about, you know, coming to St Kilda, maybe, and my mum's initial response to that was, are you sure you don't mean Jason? Uh, <laughs> so she wasn't quite as confident um, in my abilities. Yeah, so that was um, a little bit of a kick in the, kick in the guts from my mum. But at that stage, my brother, you know, he was playing in a higher league. He was winning uh, league and or club best in Ferris and stuff. So um, he was quite a decorated junior. Um, and I was following his footsteps a little bit, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm not even mum thought I was going to make it, but um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, so you arrive at St Kilda. I think you're 17 at the time and about 63 kilos. Uh, you've never you've never made a meal or washed clothes before. You said how how fast did you have to grow up? Yeah, well, I suppose, and that's probably another reason why my mum had doubts. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was so you know, I, I, I was like a jockey weight. I was so mm-hmm. small and. Um, skinny, uh, and I was massively underdeveloped in life. Um, I lived a, a really sheltered life in the town I grew up in, and as you said, Mum had done everything my whole life. So yeah, it was it was a sink or swim um, moment, and it was hard work. But um, you know, I reckon it, it was a really important part of my journey um, in going from a seventeen-year-old kid from the bush to eighteen-year-old. Um, playing league footy, surrounded by guys like Nicky Winmar, Stuart Lowe, Spud Frawley, Robert yeah. Harvey. You know, you're talking about greats of the game. So, you know, when you when, when you go from being a kid at school to being their teammates in three months' time, it's um, it's a big step in your life. And you know, I made some mistakes, no doubt about that. I was I was learning every every time, every day. I was learning from a lot of mistakes. Um, but it was a really important part of the journey and um, I wouldn't change it. Some of my best mates from footy are, are my Saints mates. Um, we had a really good time, but we um, we forged some really good friendships mm. in those days. Yeah, well, it seemed like a really strong group. I mean, three seasons in, you make the 97 grand final. Uh, you you win the, the last seven games of the season um, and finish on top of the ladder over Geelong. But I think you said previously that you felt the club didn't really know how to be successful at the time. Obviously, the last grand final was 1971 and yeah. um, they hadn't really experienced final, finals or, or they've experienced finals but not grand finals. Do you think that day... Um, overawed the playing group a little bit, and the result might have been different if there was more experience around grand finals. Uh, I've got no no doubt in my mind that uh, we didn't handle the week leading up to it right, um, and I know that because when I got to Carlton two years yeah. later, I could immediately see the difference in the way the two clubs handled it. Yeah. Um, because Carlton, obviously, they get there all the time, so they. They know what to expect and they know what's required in the lead-up and on the day, whereas St Kilda, we had, uh, felt like 15,000 people at training on Thursday night um, before the grand final, which is just insane. Um, And nobody in our team had played in the grand final before, I think, from memory. So nobody knew, or there was no one there that could share their experiences. Mm. So 
the whole week ticketing, family requests, getting accommodation, parades, seven, 15,000 people are training. Am I going to get a game? Um, you know, there was just so much. And then we had some off-field issues going into that game that, you know, threw our team out a bit. So we just, yeah. I know personally, speaking from personal experience, it was the worst game of footy I ever played as an individual. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't blame the lead-up, but I definitely think that it played a part in me um, not being prepared as well as I would normally have been. And it took me to go through that to learn... And, and not let that happen when I, you know when I got a second chance at it. Yeah, a couple well, you, of years later. Yeah, you, well, you got the second chance in '99, obviously. But at the end of the '98 season, is it true that you found out you were uh, the Blues were interested in you after watching the news with your housemate? Is that is that how you found true out? True story. Yeah, yeah, true story. <laughs> Joel Smith and I lived together. Joel had left for Hawthorne maybe twelve months before I think yeah. after he did his knee, and we were sitting there watching Steve Quartermain on the news, Channel Ten Sport. And then it popped up and said, Carlton have made a, a, a bid for um, St Kilda's Matthew Lappin and the, the deal's going to be done, whatever it was. And then, you know, so I looked at him, my mate, and gone, what, what, what? what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. And then about 10 or 15 minutes later, my manager rang me and said, yeah, this is a chance to happen. You, you need to come and meet David Parkin and Sticks Kernan or whoever it was. And on the next morning at, 6.30 or something in the morning it was meant to be. Um, so, yeah, it was that's how I found out. And, look, it's not, you know, back then, things weren't... I mean, we were starting to get into the more professional state. I mean, that wasn't handled... You shouldn't be finding out like that, but it wasn't wasn't as big a deal as it would be today in today's footy. So um, yep. it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So yep. uh, I've got no regrets about it. So, yeah, what, what was that like, though, when you, you step into the Carlton environment for the first time. You got the likes of Craig Bradley, Brett Ratton, Kudafidi, Silvani, obviously David Park, and you mentioned four-time premiership coach. It must have been pretty different to the uh, St Kilda environment. Yeah, it was just it was it was definitely different. The the, the environment was different. The expectations were different. The standards were different. Um, not to say that St Kilda's weren't at the right level. It was just different because of the the sustained success, and you were surrounded by successful footballers and staff members and coaches and so it was just different um you know even you know we played in the grand final my first year there 99 but you know early on in the year we were, we weren't going that well and I think we just scraped into the bottom part of the eight or whatever it was then and we worked our way through the finals just you could just feel like there was this confidence in this era aura sorry aura about um when you play football for Carlton in finals in, in that stage, then um, the expectation was you were going to perform well. Um, yeah. And, the, you know, the, the club like that, there was, as soon as I got there, I, I, I heard stories about guys like um, Wayne Johnson, you know, the dominator, who whenever he played finals, he just lifted, you know. And then I heard a lot of those stories from a lot of guys like that. And um, there was something that, um, you know, really... Uh, resonated with me because I'd had such a bad experience in the 97 grand final that I swore to myself that if I ever got into a big game like that again, I would never let that happen. And I felt like from that day on, you know, a lot of the games against Essendon when I played for Carlton and, you know, big finals, I felt like 
um, I wanted to be like Wayne Johnson in those instances and make sure that I was a big game player. And I, yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I'm most proud of about my career is I felt like in some of those big games after that 97 grand final, I felt like I was a really good contributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you had had a great game in that 99 grand final. But before that, I mean, you said that the, the culture and the messages resonated with you from the very start. You've become a fan favourite. First game for Carlton, first round of the 99 season, first quarter, you take mark of the year against Essendon. Right pocket to be in. High ball, not going to be a goal. Big <laughs> Sensational, Mike. Oh, go beat that for the rest of the year. I've watched the vision about a hundred times, but I love your reaction after you take the mark too. Are you just letting Judd Lalich know how good it was, or were you laughing at just about the moment? What was it? No, no, it, that was just pure joy. Yeah. Like there was nothing. I didn't say anything to the opposition, or yeah. there was no smart remarks to Lalich or Hurd or Wallace or anyone who was in the yeah. area. It was, it was that was purely. You couldn't write a script better than that. You've been traded to a club. Your first act, the first piece of action, the first time I touched the ball for that footy club, I think it was anyway, it was in the first 10 minutes of the first quarter. Uh, that's the first, my first act in a Carlton jumper. Like that, you can't write a script better than that. That was just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget that. I, I can still, I still picture that moment like it happened yeah. um, yesterday. And it's, it's almost in slow motion. It's one of those things that, that I can still feel the whole, the moment, um, which is, you know, it's, I don't know how long that's going to last for me. I'm sure as I get older, that'll fade. But um, for now, I'm, I'm really proud of that, yeah. that that moment. Was it just instinctive when you, when you go up for marks oh, like no that? Doubt. Yeah. No doubt. That's, you know, that's just see, see ball, get ball. But that, that's born about, you know, all those years in high school and jumping on my brother's shoulders or jumping on my mate's shoulders and, Trying to take hangers in the playground—that's that's where it came from. That 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 wasn't that that wasn't foreign to me. I, I'd done that over and over again in junior footy and um, in the schoolyard. So that 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 was a familiar feeling for me. That's why uh, it was just the moment. The fact that it was such you know the first thing I'd done for Carlton it was like, wow! You, you, how could you possibly script that? Mm. Is it framed in your house at all? Have you got it framed somewhere? Um. When I worked at the Suns, I got a Chris Kringle present, yeah. a little, you know, a small-sized one that somebody gave to me and uh, sat on my desk um, at work. I didn't want it to. That was obviously they were taking the mickey out of me. But uh, <laughs> it, that that sits in my son's bedroom okay. on a shelf. But, no, it's, that, that's all. Don't yeah. really – I'm not one to display that stuff. But um, maybe one day when my kids get a bit older or, or – you know, learn a bit more about footy. They might want to see some of that stuff, but at the moment, it's not not really something. Yeah, have. definitely, mate. Get it blown up. Love it. Uh, that, <laughs> that season, um, you play in your second grand final, like you mentioned. It's it's Carlton's last grand final since, but not before that amazing preliminary final. Now the Dons went into that. I think they were a dollar eighteen favourites, and you mentioned that you know you, you came from behind, or you were the underdogs. You lost, I think, to the Bombers by twelve goals previously in the season. David Parkin calls you a B grade side. You're down at three quarter time. You go on to win one of the best games of all time. Can you tell me about that moment? We'll be back after a quick break. <laughs>
Yeah, I think um, you're right. A dollar eighteen in a two horse race in a prelim <laughs> final would be extremely rare. But um, I think we I think we controlled the game in the first half, uh, but then Essendon dominated the game. Maybe it was we. Maybe we controlled the first quarter and then Essendon controlled quarters two and three, but they couldn't put us away on the scoreboard. They they didn't kick accurately, and and then that that allowed us to be just in front or in striking distance. And then it took a some, you know like a the Cooters last quarter is you know, you know I wouldn't I'm a Supercoach fan. I'd imagine that'd be a hundred plus Supercoach quarter. What he did in that 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 last quarter was. Absolutely phenomenal. Eight or nine possessions, five or six contested marks, two goals. I mean, it's stuff of legend. And mm-hmm. it takes efforts like that to win a game, you know, when you're a dollar eighteen underdog in a prelim final. So, um, yeah, we did enough to hang around with some good play early and then they couldn't put us away with some bad kicking. And then it was just some special performances in the last quarter. And, um, you know, we, we played some good footy in that game. I, I feel like we deserved to be in the grand final. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, there was moments in the grand final when we were thereabouts, but in the end, you know, we just weren't good enough. Mm. Well, that get, because I like hearing you say that you'd never let it happen again in a grand final because you did perform very well. You had 19 disposals. You kicked two goals. I know a lot of players say... Um, despite you playing well, a lot of people say they'll never get over their grand final losses. You played in two. Do they still hurt now? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think about them often and think about, well, you know, if, if we'd have won a flag together, we'd be in constant contact and annual, you know, annual gatherings or, you know, every decade, whatever it is, reunions, all that sort of stuff. Um, but we didn't get over the line and, and then you sort of drift off into the, you know, the past. Of it. So you know, there's a lot, you know, and you only ever stay in contact with three or four of your your best mates. Whereas if you're premiership teammates, you you know you're that for for life. So that you know, I think about that often, and so so there's a lot of footballers, um, no doubt about that. But um, you know, unfortunately, I never got to experience the ultimate. But I still feel like, um, you know, I still feel like it was a successful career given um, the experiences I had. Oh, 100%. And you went on to play 196 with Carlton, obviously 251 all up. But 2004, you get the All-Australian call-up. I think you moved into defence a, a year earlier. In 2004, you're averaging about 20 disposals a game, rebounding brilliantly. You have a great season. But I've heard you say that 2001, that year you won the uh, club's uh, leading goal kicker award. That was your best year of football. What, why is that? Uh, yeah, I, I think that was... Easily my best year of footy because when you when you're playing as a small forward, um, you, you virtually get tagged every week because that that was back when you know you had matchups. Um, so the, a defender or a tagger was set for me most weeks um, as a forward, and to have the year I had that year um, when I was you know had a target on my back, um, obviously rate that year a lot higher than the. Um, 2004 Australian year because I went, when you play back back's the easiest spot in the game to play I was playing um, as a rebounding zoning defender before mm-hmm. you know now it's everyone's doing it um, you know back then there was only a few players at each side who might have done it um, so it's a lot easier to play back than it is forward if, if I'm on a player and I'm a defender and I think my player's going to a stupid spot then I don't even 
follow him. I just go and win the ball. That's what that's how you teach players to zone defend. And, yeah. and I was doing that back then, so it's a lot easier. Yeah. Whereas as a forward, if I thought the ball was going somewhere, then my defender would have been right on my back trying to bash me. Mm-hmm. When you're 73 kilos, um, <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge. So I had to, I had to be crafty. I had to, I had to, you know, work out ways to still have an impact. Um, you know usually carrying someone on my back so yeah yeah um, it's not like it's not like midfielders I suppose who who go to stoppages and they're in congestion and they can lose players through traffic I had to find ways to and uh, that's why I relied a lot on my marking uh, I, I felt like you know marking was a really big part of how I could get um, the advantage on my opponents and it, and I think the other thing was I, I didn't rely on a huge amount of possessions I, I wanted to be um, Deadly or, or stealth with you know the possessions I got. I needed to I needed to have score involvement, either mm. you know score assist or, or score kick scores from you know because I was wasn't getting huge numbers, but I just needed to make sure I had a, I had an impact when I had the ball. Yeah, well, one of those games you did have an impact was that year in in two thousand and one. It was Craig Bradley's three fiftieth. That was probably one of my favourites. Sticks in my memory as one of um, your best performances. Yeah, twenty four disposals, five goals. Two of them were trademark snaps, crumbing goals, and then that insane soccer kick from the from the boundary line. And you were trailing by two goals late in the final term, uh, and you kicked it at final two uh, goals of the game. You win by seven points, three Brownlow votes, and Craig Bradley gets a nice three hundred fiftieth present. Where does that game sit for you? Yeah, massive. I lo- love Brattles. He's one of my favourite teammates. He's football royalty, Carlton royalty. Um, played golf with Brattles. Good teammate. Lo- and, and just to be able to, yeah, help out a little way in um, in a milestone like that is, is, is a great memory for mine. It's probably my second favourite home and away game. Yeah. Um, my favourite home and away game was, I think, Mick Mansfield's 200th or 250th. I'm not sure what it was. Again, against Essendon. Driving to the game, I think we lost Cuda, Sauce, and, and maybe Brattles or Rats. Not sure who it was. We had three really key outs, and I thought, oh, we're going to be in trouble here. But um, we got up off the canvas and had a really big win. I'm sure it was McMansfield's milestone game. So mm-hmm. uh, that 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 sits as my favourite because we were massively undermanned, mm-hmm. um, but got the job done for a, a, a teammate, which is really important. So because I I had a lot of milestones because I played. 50 games at St Kilda I get I had the 50 game milestone there and then I have 50 game milestones 100 game milestones and so forth all the way through at Carlton and I don't think I won one milestone game <laughs> so um, that that was um, you know that, that, that sort of sits with me a bit yeah. but um, that's why it's so good to be able to play a little bit of a role in, um, in my teammates milestone victories yeah hey did you did you ever get an offer to go to Richmond in 2002 yeah, I did. Yeah. I was, I was really close to going. Um, in fact, I, I was, I was gone. I was going, except they extended the deadline by twenty four hours. Oh. I had a really good relationship with Wayne Britton, yeah. Um, and he he had gone to Richmond, and he approached me. Um, I'm not sure if we were going through. Um, salary cap issues or not there um, we were asked to take some pay cuts or what it was I'm not sure I can't really remember that part but Brits approached me uh, he's my favourite coach ever I had so much respect for him mm. he was assistant to Spud Frawley and I played for Spud at St Kilda and um, I think that's right and um, it's a long time ago now and yeah I was prepared to go but the AFL gave the, 
trade or whatever it was extension um, that gave the deadline an extension by 24 hours and in that 24 hours Sticks Kernahan and a few other blokes got to me and um, convinced me to stay uh, and in, in the end I think it was the right thing and I'm, I'm really proud of that decision to stay because yeah. um, like as much as I love Brits I don't think um, in hindsight it would have been a good move for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was meant to be because you're a you're a Carlton Carlton champion, and everyone uh, at the Blues obviously loves you. You were just four games short of that two hundredth game for Carlton. Um, was it a was it really a baby stroller that led to the uh, beginning of the end? Oh, that that was the truth. I, I that was jumped, the truth. I yeah. Whether I jumped out of the shower or whatever, but I was yeah. walking down the hallway, and one of my daughter's strollers was in the hallway, and I bent down just to move it to the side because it, it was in the way or whatever, yeah. and. And I clicked something in my back. Um, so, I mean, that, that just kept me out of that one game. Okay. Yeah. And I probably could, I could have played if if I absolutely needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were this, our season was gone. It was a chance to have a look at a, a young player, and then um, you know the decision was made from there that that um, they were going to go in a different direction. Which, in hindsight. Um, uh, in hindsight, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed, and I still feel I had I had more footy to give. I was yeah. young. I was I'd played under it was Dennis Pagan's game plan for five years that didn't really suit me because it was um, as a forward, it was the ball was funneling through Favola, and uh, I was a marking forward who wasn't get you know wasn't getting utilised much. So once. Once Dennis was moved on and Rats came in, even if you look at the stats back then, my, my total game changed under Rats. I went back to being a 20-possession-a-game player, and one or two goals and a couple of goals. So I still felt like I had plenty more to give. A bit like Kate Simpson. I, you know, I was built like that. I could have played for another three or four years, I reckon. And um, you know, uh, But it wasn't to be. Rats wanted to go down the youth path. Um, he softened the blow by offering me a job. Um coaching so um i took that and mm. the rest is history yeah so I, I just wanted to know how, how those conversations go for you it must have been really difficult obviously rats was a um a teammate of yours and i know you said that soften the blow to give you the coaching role but how difficult was that a time in your life to have those conversations and make it make a decision like that i guess not to go elsewhere yeah yeah it was it was hard I, I totally understood that. Like, I, I, I was very, I'm a realist. I understood the club wanted to go in that different direction. Um, and that was that was what they did at those days. You know, if, if you were slightly past your, what they thought was your use-by date and you, you were rebuilding or whatever, then it was, uh, get rid of all the old blokes and get as much youth in as possible. So, you know, I, I was the one who suffered and on the end of that. So, um, yeah, look, I probably could have had a look at other clubs, but I don't. I, I probably didn't want to, you know, the fear of getting rejected and not getting picked up um, was probably enough for me to just take the coaching job and move on with the rest of my life, which I was happy enough to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but it wasn't until I look so, back and think, ah, oh, yeah, I probably had, I probably had more in my body. I probably had more to go, but um, yeah. you know, that that can't can't turn back time. Yeah, well, the people have, um, I've spoken to have said you had a real impact on them as a, as an assistant, as a development coach, and I guess the way you thought about the game was different to others. You've obviously said that um, your reading of the play was extremely um, important, and it was 
not you weren't physically as strong as some of your opponents, so you needed to think about the game differently in order to have an impact. Does that type of thinking um, does that help you in your coaching and your development now? Because not all players are, are built to coach, obviously. Yeah, no, no question. Um, to be the size I was, and then extract what I did out of my career, and I had to, I had to use my brain. And I find now with my coaching that, um, particularly with young kids, young girls, I do a lot of coaching for young girls up here in Queensland, and, and I spend a lot of time teaching them that yes, they need to do the fundamentals, but m- my advantage with coaching them is that I can teach them how to use their brain. So. Um, I do spend a lot of time doing that, um, and I think it's a it's a real advantage, particularly with the young kids. Because the further down the line you get from AFL footy, the less they teach um, about the actual IQ of the game. It's 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 all about kick, mark, handball, tackle, bounce, mm. spoil. The, the lower you get, whereas I think I think we need to teach all of that stuff plus the brain um, because the game of footy is all about decisions. Every, every step you take in a game of footy, you should be making a decision with who's got the ball, where's it going? What's the wind doing? Is he a left footer? Is he a right footer? Um, can, is he going to run and bounce? Has he got space in front of him? Is he going to, is there going to be a spoil? Like there's so many decisions to be made that you need, that needs to be trained. Um, so the more decision making stuff that you can get into your training sessions, at any level, I think the better it's going to hold your players um, in the moment of the game. So I've got a philosophy on training, and it is whatever you're going to experience in a game, you need to have experienced in training. So mm. I would I plan my whole training programs around that. As it may, and there's always going to be something that you can't plan for, but yep. the more the more I can put my players into positions of training that I know they're going to experience in a game, then the better prepared they're going to be for it. Yeah. And and running from cone to cone and kicking from cone to cone, that's not that you don't get that in the game. So that sort of stuff is whilst it's good for your fundamental skill development, it's not going to help you in the game. Mm. No, I love that. Are you ever going to look at being a senior AFL coach? No. No. And what's the reason for no. that? No. Uh, it, it takes a certain type of person yeah. <laughs> to do that job, and and I'm not it. No. Um, I'm not it. I'm. I'm I'm really comfortable with my understanding and knowledge of the game and um, tactical awareness of the game, but uh, there's a, there's a whole other part of the game that that you know that I'm not built for, um, and I'm I'm cool with that. I'm happy with that. I'm I'm really happy now that I'm out of the system. I loved my time in it, and mm. I'd never say I wouldn't get back into it in some way, shape, or form. But I feel like I've found a really good niche myself doing what I'm doing I, I, in, you know if I, if I had my time again and I was an AFL footballer I'd definitely be a teacher yep. um, I love interacting with the kids and, and watching them grow and develop and um, you know it's, it's a, so I'm, I'm in a really good spot here where I am at the moment so I'm happy yeah no, I love that. Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about your career Skinny I was just wondering if you got time can I ask you a few things about the footy today get your takes yeah, on that. Yeah, sure, no worries. Awesome. Yeah. I've got this little segment. It's called Skinny's Thick Takes. And you're just going to give yep. me your opinion on a, on a few things. Now, I know the one thing I love about you, I've, I've looked at you on Twitter as well, is that you're not scared to say what you feel. So just uh, give it no. to me straight, all right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, easy one first. Does footy on a Friday night start too late? <laughs> you know that. I've <laughs> tweeted that. It is way too late. Families go to bed. And I get 
hassled by the West Australians. Well, guess what? You're the minority. Yep. Cater for the majority, <laughs> 7.50, half an hour too late. Yeah, I agree. Love it. Uh, should Nathan Buckley coach out the rest of the 20, 2021 season? Absolutely he should, and he should coach into the next decade. Um, he's an awesome coach, ripper guy. Um, he's had his last three years have played finals. He was a kick off a grand final, uh, premiership. Um, but what's going on there is not all he's doing. He's got a part to play in it, but um, he's a good coach, and I would be backing him. He will, you know what? He's the, he's mm. such a good guy that once he knows or thinks he's lost the players, yep. he will walk. Okay. He's a, he's a, um, he's as stand up a guy as you get. Mm. I love it. In 2007, speaking after your retirement, you said this about Carlton. There's a lot of good kids out there. They have another draft this year and another batch of kids. They, they're going to have that many good kids. The only way they could stuff it up is if they stuff it up themselves. Did they stuff it up? Of course they have. They still haven't played finals yet. Mm. Or they have, but it was by default. Um, yeah, no question. Like Even now, there's enough. There's The, the talent is there. So, and stuffing it up there's so many things that go into that that you know there's hours and hours of discussions on that but there's the talent is there they've got to find a way to make it work and I've got my theories on why that is but um, you can share them if you like well it's going to take too long mate because as I said there's so much (laughs) there's so much they've got to do like even at the right at the moment like Sam Walsh, look what he's doing. He's a kid and he's a star and he's going past how many players? Yeah. He's going past that many players in his team because he wants it more than them. So, um, you know, there's some guys there who who are not quite um, desperate enough or want it bad enough to make it happen yet. So I still think yeah. they can. It's a mental thing, you think, the majority uh, of it's, it? It's, it's everything. It's mental, yeah. it's physical, it's, yeah. it's everything. But okay. at the end of the day... They've got to make it happen. They can't wait for Tiggy to wave a wand or mm-hmm. Sticks to come down and give them a speech. It, it, the, the talent is there. It's time, and we've, it's been time for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're ready to go. They just got to make it happen. Yep. What is the biggest factor leading to Gold Coast not being able to retain players? And do you see it changing? You've been there as an assistant, um, so uh, injuries, injuries, injuries has been the biggest issue. So, and injuries come about because of lack of resilience. So, my time there. Um, when I got there, I, I felt like I walked into a, a VFL club. Their, their training standards and expectations were that low. I'd just come from Collingwood, which was a really good organisation. Um, so I wasn't surprised that they broke down all the time because they didn't train anywhere near an acceptable level. Um, we spent some time working on that. And then guys like Lynch and all those guys had had enough of losing, so they left. I worry now that the same thing will happen. I don't think it will. I think the right pieces are in place. I know that I've seen them. I watch them train and how hard they prepare. I feel like they're a much more resilient group. If they can get an ounce of luck with injury, um, I think they're resilient enough. And I've got no question. I've got no doubts that they will be okay. It's too, I believe it's Tuke Miller's team there now. He's the one who's driving um, their standards and, 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 and their culture, and I think that if they follow his lead, they will be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, will Richmond win the three-peat? No, no. Uh, history says they won't, yep. so I'm going to back history in here, yep. uh, but they are looking ominous. Yeah, who's, who's your ominous. pick then? Uh, I would have said Port, but they've sort of dropped off the 
perch a little bit last week. It was a poor performance from then. Oh, it's too early to call. I'm not really. I don't. I don't know who, but I just think that history says it's really it's too hard to win three. So, mm-hmm. but having said that, there's no reason why they can't. They're they're um they're in good shape. They're listed at a great age. They're well coached. They're well drilled, and they they play for each other. Last one was footy better to watch during your playing days, and why? If it was, uh, I don't think I don't know if it was better to watch. It was better to play. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I, th- I think as people want to watch scores, people want to watch score people score. So there's nothing more exciting in the game of footy than a guy kicking eight goals mm. or a girl kicking eight goals. But no, nobody cares if the mid gets forty possessions because they all do that. No one plays on anyone anymore. Whereas when you get a guy kicking a bag of goals, that's that, there's, that's the most exciting thing in footy. So I've been in coaches' boxes. I've been in match committee rooms. I've been in those rooms where we're, all they do is talk about how we're going to stop the, you know, how we're going to defend, how we're going to defend, yeah. how we're going to defend. Um, and and until that balance shifts, that that coaches say, now how are we going to score? How are we going to score? How are we going to score? And they train that. Then I think the game is going to stay. Not, not, it's not boring. Don't get me wrong. I love the game. Yep. I love the game. But, but we all want to see more scores. It, it, a game that's 120 to 110 is so much better than 70 to 90. Um, so if we can just find a way to free scoring up a bit more, that would be great. Love it. That was Skinny's Thick Takes. And uh, what an addition. Brilliant, mate. Hey, with all my guests, I know it sounds like I'm just trying to keep you on here longer, and I, and I kind of am, but I, I end off with 10 quick questions. Um, the first thing that pops to your head, you tell me, and then uh, and then I can finally let you go back to class. All right? Yeah, oh, can you hear the rain? It's raining hard here. Bloody hell. <laughs> all right, 10 quick questions. Uh, right. Your, your favourite food? Uh, roast. Your favourite movie? Uh, don't watch many movies. No, you've got me there. No, nothing. No, no, got nothing. For nothing. No, don't watch movies. Too many kids. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, maybe Toy Story then. A uh, favourite current AFL player? Uh, Sam Walsh. Mm. Which coach had the biggest influence on you? Uh, you mentioned this. Wayne Britton. Yeah. Wayne Britton. Yep. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Gold Coast. Gold Coast. You're loving life. That's what I like to hear. Uh, you've got a spare Sunday afternoon to do anything you want. What are you doing? Golf followed by dinner with my family. Yep. Good. What makes you angry? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kids that cut corners. Yep. All right. The worst player to play against during your career? Hardest. Hardest. Yep. Hardest. Uh, Gavin Wanganen. Gavin Wanganeen, yeah, can imagine. Uh, your favourite quote? Ooh. Um, I like your, I like your training one. Can you say your training one again, that your theory oh, on yeah, training? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so my philosophy, yeah. my philosophy on training is whatever, you're, whatever a player is going to experience in the game, they should have already experienced the training. Yeah. That's my training. I love that, I love that. I should tweet it. You should tweet that and I might reshare it. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, last one, your favourite teammate of all time? Uh, Adrian Hickman. Adrian Hickman. No question. Yeah? What was so good about he him? Spent, Great bloke. He spent, he spent half of his game trying to bash my opponent <laughs> and I'll never ever forget him for it. I love him. 
I love it, mate. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, Matty. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and I've, uh, I love watching your career and I've loved listening to your takes post-footy as well. And everyone I speak to says you're a, you're a great man who cares a lot about developing them as a person and player. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Have a good day. No worries, mate. You too.